All right, that's the our week at the LA Dream Center. A little little peek at uh, what we got to experience. Um, so uh, I've asked a, a few of our missionaries to share, and a couple of them volunteered. A couple of them I had to ask, uh, but uh, they're going to share uh, a little bit of their experience. Um, and what God taught them through the time. So first up, we have Jonathan Cochran, a.k.a. Johnny Cochran. Uh, And so, Johnny, take us away. All right. It was an awesome experience. I had a lot of fun. And uh, the first thing that really got me was uh, Tuesday we had the services. They had, like, separate services for the men and the women. The men's service was literally all men, and it was like a room bigger than this full of dudes worshiping together which is so rare. That's not something you see every day, and it's crazy just hearing manly voices singing and worshiping. And Johnny was standing next to me. Yeah. Just but kidding. that was the most impactful for me to just see dudes humble and just they were there to be there and for God uh, and their relationship with him. Uh, it wasn't like we're going to church to see this cute single girl or anything like that. It was, it was really cool. Just It was inspirational to see all these guys worshiping and humbling themselves. And uh, also... The kids uh, was crazy. Uh, I, I went there like nine years ago. I went to the Dream Center when we all went, but it's still crazy just to see all these kids running out, like literally jumping on people, giving them hugs. And we, it's not like these pictures you see weren't like we were there a week and then the kids got to know us. It was like we were there 30 minutes and these kids came running up to us and jumping on us and loving on us and wanting some lovings too because it's like, you know, they don't have like their parents hanging out with them at home or anything. They're just running out to, you know, get some attentions from somebody. They're all wanting to talk to somebody or hang out with somebody. And uh, I'd say the one thing that I kind of took away from it is a lot of times uh, when we went to Skid Row, the dude said. Uh, Tell him what Skid Row is. Oh, Skid Row. It's like a really massive area radius where it's like all homeless people living there. And there's a lot of them. How many were there? Like no, over 9,000. 9,000, yeah. And, I mean, it's like literally tents, T-E-N-T-S, <laughs> were literally set up, like, side by side all on the sidewalk. And beside that, like, there was, like, right where the curb was, there's like, a little wet stream. And they said, like, it doesn't rain in L.A. very often, so that's not water. That's pee and dookie. And there were, like, the little tree things filled with dookie. And, I mean, it stunk, but it's, like, it's it was such an amazing experience. Like, you just look past all that, and, like, you you really just it, – it's humbling to see all that, to see these people in such a decayed place and such a, a struggle, um, seeing the rats and stuff running down the street and cats chasing them and grabbing them and stuff like that. It was wild just to see in a city. And uh, the one thing that touched me, though, is, like, the dude said before we went out uh, – I don't remember his name. What was it? Yeah, Greco. He's a Greek dude. He's really cool and funny. But uh, he had told us that, you know, we're not reaching out to homeless here. We're not reaching out to drug addicts here. We're reaching out to our brothers and sisters. And, I mean, that's something that was really humble for me. I know a lot of times when we minister to people or talk about our relationship with God, a lot of times it's like a real quick thing or we're just kind of throwing it out there. And if they don't catch it, they don't catch it. We don't spend time. And another thing was, the Dream Center, one thing they emphasized on a lot was building relationships with people. It's not like we're just going out there to kamehameha our spirituality on anybody or anything. We're actually there to build a relationship with them, to show them that God loves them. And I mean, like your mom and dad can tell you they love you all the time and stuff, and you get used to that. But when a stranger comes from Mississippi or Memphis and they're out in L.A. and they tell you, you know, God loves you and I love you, man, and I want to talk to you and build a relationship with you, it's kind of wild to have a stranger come up to you with that. And, uh, yeah, 
as overall it was huge. I took a lot away from it. I could talk all day, but I'm probably going to stop here. Next up, we have Maggie Neal. Okay, so as y'all probably know, um, there was only about five young people that went on this mission trip with about 14 older people. And um, I I'm serious. And um, As Mark enters the scene. <laughs> have to sit in the front of the van that has the least amount of space um you have the pleasure of getting to sleep on the top bunk and have to get up there every morning every night um that's really great that was my favorite part of the whole thing um and finally that if there's anything that involves you getting close to the ground or on the ground you're first up in line all the time those were pretty much all i got no i'm kidding um, so on a more serious note, um, bring the mic up just a little bit. Um, on a more serious note, uh, before I went, like before I was like getting ready and preparing to go on this trip, I was expecting like this like really bad city where people were just like really hateful and like I was expecting like drug deals going down and like hearing gunshots and all of this and uh, <laughs> I was expecting a lot and you know I got there. <laughs> And I got there, and it was actually really amazing to me because it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, which to me showed me how much the Dream Center has impacted the area that they are ministering to, and that was really, like, really cool to me. And uh, second, um, the people that we met were just so, like, kind and loving for the most part. Some people, you know, tried to put, like, the devil on us, but that's another story. Um, and uh, we did have some spiritual warfare where somebody tried to cast a spell on a few of us. We'll, so we'll talk about that another time. Yeah, that was cool. We um, rebuked that. Yeah. And so, like, they were really cool, and like, um, they were just so grateful for everything that we did. Like, so many people came up to us and were just like, "I thank you so much for just being here and just taking your time to try to help us." And I thought that was really cool. And uh, it really taught me to be grateful for what I have and grateful for the family that I have because, I mean, sometimes I'm just so not into, like, my mom and my dad. I'm just, get away from me, please. But, like, it showed me that these people, some of them don't have moms, some of them don't have dads, and all of them don't, like, even if they do, they definitely don't, like, care about them. And so I am very blessed to have friends and family that do care about me and the Angelus Temple, that was quite an experience. That's where they have their services. Yeah, that was the, like, Dream Center service. And it was really cool because, like, the worship was really good, and, like, the messengers were really good, but what really touched me was the fact that they opened their, like, church to homeless people and to people that are, less fortunate, and no one really cared, like, everybody just, they didn't care, we didn't care, everybody was just kind of into worship anyways, and into the message, like, we didn't care that there was someone that, you know, might have just gotten, like, 
off of drugs that was in the building with us. Like, no one was scared. No one was, like, worried about that. We were just, everybody was just so entered into worship. And that was, like, really touching for me. And lastly, um, the food banks. Those were amazing. Like, every time I did that, I was, like, so filled with joy and so happy. Tell them just a little bit about what that was like. What did we do? Um, The food banks, we had the food banks, and then we had the food trucks. And the food banks, we, like, put stuff in bags, and we put them in, like, big boxes. And people would just come to the Dream Center and line up and get food. And um, it was crazy because people were, like, fighting over, like, bags of chips and, like, peanut butter and stuff that we all take for granted so often. And uh, we all, I mean, Dream Center food, that, oh, that was something else. Uh, that was not the greatest, but. Um, if you want to lose weight, go to the Dream Center. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just, you know, go straight into starvation, you know. Whatever, fast. Get on your fast before you go there. Um. But, like, they had homeless people at the temple that would, like, stay on camp, or not at the temple, at the Dream Center, that would stay on campus, and they got to go through the food line, and they would, like, try to sneak, like, food out of the food line that I was, like, pretty much, like, I don't even want this. And that was so crazy because, like, we were so ungrateful that, for that kind of stuff, and these people were just so, like, grateful for what we were giving them and for the time that we put into making the food and uh, giving it to them. And so that was my experience and it was great. Next up we have Mark Cheney. Mark is the youngest member of the team. Uh, he, he joked often about being the old guy there, but I don't think he was really much older than most of the rest. But uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about your experience. Well, First, I, I don't know if Maggie missed the premium we had while I was thanking the young people and, you know, and enjoying their time with them and stuff like that. Maybe now I should apologize. I don't know. <laughs> so, but anyway, but no, uh, did enjoy the young people very much. But uh, one thing I, I know that nobody else had mentioned, uh, prior to us going on the trip, we, we started uh, Saturday afternoon. And... Prior to that, I think because I had been out of town, I did not know the full agenda. And uh, so Troy kind of kidnapped us and uh, and kept us. And, uh, you know, I still had a lot of stuff to do. Tried to point that out a couple of times. Uh, and so, but, you know, as we as we got into that and as we started our preparations and, and just kind of being together with a large group and, and really starting to focus on what we were going to be doing and, you know, in our time with God, I, I really began to realize that, you know, I had to put everything behind. I had to let go of the things that I really still wanted to do. I had to put Mississippi behind me, and we had to prepare for what we were going to do. And and I think that was very valuable for us. I think it set us, it set the tone for what we were doing, it set the tone for ministry, and prepared us uh, to be ministers in areas. And, uh, and I do think that was vital and a very good very wise decision to do that. Amen. Thank you. And, yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Maybe Leonard might have had something to do with that. I, sorry. Uh, but also, you know, I think, uh, you know, going to the, to the Dream Center, one of the first things I think we did is we went out to 
uh, Imperial Forks and uh, and did a ministry there. And housing development. Yes. So they commonly call them the projects. And I think there were two big ones. And uh, that's the one we went to. And just driving up to that and getting out. And uh, at, at that time, I had started to get uh, acquainted with, uh, with Sean uh, McLaughlin. And uh, and uh, Sean Sean looks at me and he says, Mr. Martin, he says, I can I can tell you're thinking about it, but what what are what are your thoughts? And I said, Well, Sean, I said I just I don't think our children should grow up behind bars, and you know these all of these projects had these just massive protection bars on all the windows and doors, and and you know when we started going up to those doors and and knocking on those doors and praying with some people, you could tell they were they were in fear, and. Uh, but the children, they were just normal children. But they're they're growing up behind bars. And that's just a very, very sad thing. So that's one of the key Christian presidents, I think, early on that, that made to me. And then, uh, you know, I began to, uh, you know, look at look at the Dream Center and what they were doing. And you, you've heard the stories of all the different ministries they do from point A to point B. There's countless, I, I just forget how many ministries they do for people. And uh, and I got to thinking about what makes them so effective? What makes them special? How do they do this? How do they how do they pull this off? And, uh, you know, I, I got to thinking, you know, they they walk out on their doorstep. And, you know, they in these projects and in this town, that uh, I guess it's the Bloods and the Crips, the gangs that are so prevalent. And you see that the homeless are not just, they're not just in that radius they're everywhere they're everywhere you see them everywhere and you see the pain and the hurt in all these people's lives you see the destruction of all this going on uh, that's having an effect on the city and it's just right there in their face and you know they they they've done a great job of meeting that need uh but it's easy for them to see that i think uh because it's so prevalent and every and everywhere you go that is and uh I think about coming back here to Mississippi. I think about I think about us. I think about our lives. I think about our churches, our communities, our cities. It's not that bad. It's not that bad here yet. You know, we can still hide away. We can pretend it's just not there. We can, you know, just walk away, turn away, uh, and wait till it gets bad enough. You know, wait until it gets a little bit worse. Wait until the darkness is just much, so much stronger like it is in, you know, in other places. But we can be the light. You know, we can be the ones that, that are sent out. And, uh, you know, because if, if we don't, if we don't shine the light, it'll be on our doorstep one day. It really will. It will, the darkness will creep in. And uh, it'll get stronger and it'll get stronger. And, uh, you know, I, I think about Isaiah, and I think about it in Isaiah 6. Uh, the Lord says, who will go for us? Who will we send? And Isaiah says, send me. And then, you know, he bridges to that in Isaiah 61. And he says, I have been sent to proclaim the good news. I have been sent to heal the brokenhearted, to heal those who are wounded. And, and you know, I've been sent. And he answers the call. And then I, I think about, too, he talks about, after that, he talks about the brokenhearted. He talks about healing the wounded. And, and 
then he talks about the fact that they will be the oaks of righteousness. They will rebuild the cities and the ruined ruined places. They will be the ones, not not us, they. So the ones that are healed, they begin to heal others. They begin to rebuild. And uh, that was some of the major things that I, I tried to bring back. And the other thing, too, if you guys haven't noticed, every person in this talked to, even the ones that are not up here, every person has been impacted. Every person has come back with a passion, with a mission uh, to be different, to not let this fade away. I know some of the men, we've already begun talking about uh, how do we carry this forward? How do we make this, how do we make, continue to make this change happen? Uh, and I know that if we, if we walk away in isolation, and we don't hold each other up, and we don't bind together, we won't make a change. We won't be the difference. Uh, that's the big one. Thank God. And then Bobby Costin, our First Impressions Director, is going to uh, be our last uh, guy to share this morning. So, Bobby, what did, what did the trip do in you? Well, um, for those who were here for the first service, yes, I'm doing it again. Um, I'll start by saying that um, PT has uh, preached to us on numerous occasions that um, we need to continue to stretch and to get out of our comfort zone in order to get closer to God and in order to grow as a Christian. And I think getting up here, obviously, is a huge stretch for me. I think it's the third time I've been up here in like uh, two weeks now. And I'm still just as awkward and nervous as I was the first time. Anyway. Uh, there are a lot of things on this trip that were put us out of our comfort zone. Some of them have already mentioned the air conditioning that we had. Um, the ladies had 12 people. We had seven. Um, they did have a window unit, which we didn't. We weren't blessed with the window unit. We were just blessed with windows. <laughs> and it was hot. And I didn't sleep good. Plus, I think six of the eight guys snored. Just more facts, no complaining. Right. So are you leaving yourself as the number seven? I'm not sure if I slept enough <laughs> to actually get the snoring going. <laughs> but anyway, I, I'm just kidding around. Um, we all knew that uh, God was at work even before we left. Uh, as Mark referenced, the uh, the two days we spent here, it was incredible to see the, the, the guys that shared their time to come up here from the worship team. I believe we even had uh, a guy named Derek came in from another church and, and, and helped us with the worship too, and it was fantastic. And the Fulps took us in their house one evening, and we, uh, we shared some time, and Darius and Justin and a few others spoke to us and gave us some encouragement, and it was, it was really great, and we could just feel it starting to, to happen, and, and we could feel God, God's presence coming and give us, giving us the courage and the encouragement that we needed going into this. Um, my wife, Jenny, had actually... We called Troy like two weeks before the trip and said that um, she wasn't going to go. She had some health issues, and she was afraid that she was going to hold us all back or she was going to just – something was going to happen, and she wasn't going to be able to, to participate. And uh, Troy said, just think about it and pray, and we, we did that. We prayed, and I think most of the team prayed every day. And she changed her mind and decided to do it. And she's standing back there videoing me, botching this up. Um, so you can tell she did. She she made it just fine, and I was proud of her for for dealing with all the heat, and all of us, and everything else. Um, in the first service, I didn't mention this part, but um, 
don't know why it just came up to me now, but it's amazing how inspired I was by not all of them are here, but these young people, Victoria and Maggie and Abby and who else was there? My daughter, Elena, was there. Um, even Jonathan's, Jonathan's still considered a young person. It, it's really inspiring to see them grow even before this process but during this process and see them stepping up. Uh, I know we didn't mention it to y'all, but we, they, um, they called Victoria up um, before we went to Skid Row. We had like six groups of people, and they asked Troy, who's your, who's your shyest person? And she stood up there in front of six other groups of people. It may have been, what, 85, 100 people out there? And just knocked it out and prayed for the whole ordeal. And, man, I, if it had been me, I would have been like, uh, amen. <laughs> but, I mean, I, it's, it's inspiring to see the young people and how they've grown and how God is using them to go out and, and, and to build our kingdom, basically, you know, to steal a phrase. Um, I got a big sheet, so y'all deal with deal with it. Um, the men's ministry I won't touch on too hard since Jonathan already mentioned it, but um, as far as the uh, God moving thing, Troy had us uh, actually read Acts 2 that day, and we go to the ministry that night, and the guy during his sermon was, he he referenced Acts 2. That was the main main thing he spoke about, and that was like every one of us were like looking at each other's eyes. Like, wow, it's just unbelievable. Um as part of that rooming stuff, we had uh, we had eight guys, only seven men here. So we had an extra bed, and they put this uh, guy in there with us. And I, when I first heard about it, I'm thinking to myself, well, I've already got to deal with these, these guys, and it's hot in here. Now they're going to bring in some guy I don't even know. So I'm like, eh, it's, it's. well, they bring in this 23-year-old kid from Portland, which we all got along with great and super, super kid, very inspiring, very uh, – very good product of God's word, basically. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? Um, and he, he spent the whole week with us. He actually stayed there another week. He's there. I think today's his last day, which is really cool. We all texted him a little bit and told him we missed uh, being there, even though it was hot. But uh, but we really did. We really did miss it. Um, one other person, I think maybe his parents are here. Uh, Sean. Sean's parents here. We got to – some of us already knew Sean. Man, let me tell you. Uh, you want to talk about inspiring. And the fact that he was there on his 10th day or so at the same time we showed up. He's doing a semester there yeah. and basically a ministry training. So Yeah, and he was just he was, he was awesome to be with, to talk to, and to see how, how other people respond to him and how kids respond to him. And um, going to the Adopt-A-Block, which I think we mentioned already, just to see how the kids could just rush to him and hang on him and just – and always, you know, you know, want to be around him. And it's just, it's just an awesome to see somebody that age to be a magnet to other people. Because I can imagine when I was 23 years old, I don't think. Is he 23? Is that right? 26. Okay. Paul's 23. I'm trying to make him younger. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Paul's 23. But just, 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 to, just to think and put myself in that perspective is just, uh, just amazing. Um, I'm going to skip through the uh, Echo Park and stuff like that. Is that all right? You good? Okay. Um, I've got to tell you about the Skid Row experience. Um, it was, uh, you have to see it to believe it. I mean, I'd heard about it. I even seen it. I've seen it on television. You have to see it to believe it. Um, it's, it's heartbreaking, and it's also, it's, to use the word inspiring, it's inspiring to see that the people that we did contact with were, were engaging. They weren't, they weren't, just there were a few that didn't want any part of us, but they were most, for the most part, they were very thankful for what we were doing. And you could see the hope in some of them. Um, 
there was one guy that me and Kim had prayed with. I think it was you, Kim. Um, this really big black guy with a Raider shirt on. And he, he looked imposing, to be honest with you. And, and Kim was talking to him, so I kind of walked over to him. And uh, next thing you know, I was praying for him. And he had told us that he was trying to get into this discipleship program um, at the Dream Center. And he was going to find out. So we prayed. I prayed for him for that. And when we got done, I looked up at him, and, and tears were just just gushing out of his eyes, and man, my heart just, my heart just, just sunk. It just, I mean, it was just, it was just an awesome thing to see somebody trying to get out of that position, because I know that so many broken people just give up, and you could tell that this guy wasn't giving up, and that possibly God had put me there to maybe change this guy's either opinion on it, or just to give him just that little bit more encouragement to keep on, keep it on. Um, well, I'm not as polished as these other guys, but I'm going to move on to the next spot. <laughs> um, the backpack thing was awesome. Uh, we started by, like, I don't know what we were doing. We were putting stuff in uh, bags for food and stuff like that, and I was kind of wondering, what are we going to do here? And I was getting ready to start, and here comes the clock, and they, they put the people up front to do the high fives, and I think it was me and Troy and about five others. We were just standing around, and there's here comes Kershaw and uh, Jordan Sparks. Well, they said, okay, here, here's a little – these little things to cut the ribbons off their wrist. So there we are at the end of the line. Kershaw's handing them bags, and we're coming down here just high-fiving these little kids. And every single one of them just had this look of just joy on their face. And just to be a part of that was just so awesome. And to, just to give them high-fives and everything. And since Jimmy just walked back in the room, I saved this story for him. Um, about about three-fourths of the way through, I guess Kershaw had another engagement to go do interviews and stuff. So they bring in Troy Salden from South Haven, Mississippi, to to relieve him of his backpack handing out, dude, which was really cool. That's a true story. Uh, it's on the back of my baseball card. I will be signing right. autographs. <laughs> I, I, I relieved Clayton Kershaw. He, he couldn't get the complete game, so they had to go to the pen. Uh, don't follow baseball. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I thought that was really cool. Um, the services on Thursday and Sunday were awesome. Um, each one of them spoke to all of us, especially spoke to me and, Sunday was based around complaining, which just really, really stuck home for the end of our week, for all of us there, and all the different little things that we did complain about or did point out, yet these people are having to live in far worse conditions. They don't have any sort of option for food. And, yeah, that water running down the street, yeah, it, it, it's, really, it's really humbling and really um, heartbreaking to see, really to see what our country has allowed to happen, not just in L.A., but in, in a lot of our major cities. And um, I think that through this men's ministry and what Mark was alluding to, that it is now it's time for us to do something. There is something that we can do, maybe not in Los Angeles, but with our church here and what we're doing here. Um, I talked about it earlier in, uh, I don't have to use my cheat sheet, First Samuel 16 11, when they uh, when Saul was looking for the anointed one, uh, they went through all the sons, and none of them were the one. And it's like, well, this is all you have. And and uh, his father says, no, I've got the youngest one. He's out tending the sheep. And it was like, well, he didn't even say his name. I mean, he didn't know who it was. What I'm, what I'm getting at is that I was that same way. I, I thought, well, God can't use me. I mean, who am I? Look where I was, say, four years ago. How can he use me? But he did. And I would like to somehow encourage either somebody in here or everybody in here that, man, there is something you can do, and, and he can use you. And 
I just, uh, I just hope that we all don't just forget about this week, that we take the momentum and just really start cranking it up. Praise God. So grateful for each of you guys sharing your testimonies. Um, I, I meant to mention this before I introduced Maggie, um, but uh, so impressive. So they had us do various different outreaches, and sometimes it would be just part of our team going one place, and sometimes there might be 60 or 80 people um, from other churches going with us. And so uh, they'd gather together and, and explain, here's where we're going and here's what we're doing. And a lot of times they'd ask for a volunteer to pray. And every time a volunteer was asked for, Maggie Neal, 15-year-old city church representative, steps up in front of these big groups and like, hey, I'd like to pray. Um, and I just thought that was awesome because there were 40 and 50-year-olds on our trip who would have never, ever signed up for that uh, in front of 10 people, let alone in front of 80. And uh, it, was, it was so cool just to see that, that confidence. Um, I want to talk for just five minutes uh, and, and kind of put a bow on this and wrap this up. Our shirts all say, build your kingdom here, right? We sang this song, build your kingdom here. It was a, the theme for our trip. And uh, I just want to unpack that for you for just a minute. What, what is that statement? What are we declaring? Um, in Matthew chapter six, very famously, Jesus gives us the Lord's prayer. He starts it out. He says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and most of my life, I always kind of thought those two statements were, were separate. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But what I felt like God showed me before this trip is those aren't two separate thoughts. That's, that's one continuous statement that, that his kingdom come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, when we talk about building God's kingdom, right? We talk about that, hey, we're, we're supposed to build the kingdom of God. We're supposed to expand the kingdom of God. Most of the time in, in my life when I've heard that statement or used that statement, I think of that as evangelism. We got to get somebody else saved. And that's, that's a part of it. Man, God's kingdom grows the more time, you know, when we share Jesus. When somebody comes to Jesus, the kingdom gets bigger. The kingdom gets built. But, but I don't think that's the extent of building the kingdom. What I think Jesus is saying in this prayer is that he was sent from heaven to make earth like heaven. Right? Like, this is, this is what Jesus' mission was. Yes, it was to come and to die for our sins. Because unless we can come into God's presence, we can never be like heaven. But, but he came to, to begin to expand earth. To expand this kingdom of God on earth. And so he starts recruiting. He's 12 people. And then it grows to 120. And then it grows 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. And, and the kingdom grows and grows and grows. And, and we're all supposed to make the kingdom grow. But it's not just in leading somebody to Jesus. So that's a huge part. And that's a, a central heartbeat of who we are as a church. Here's what I think. He says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So every time that we do God's will... We're building God's kingdom. Every time that we're obedient, we're building God's kingdom. Mark talk, talked about Isaiah 61 where this prophecy comes out that, that Jesus ultimately would fulfill, but that we would fulfill that a day is coming when, when he would send us to the poor, when, when we would go and, and bind up the brokenhearted, when we would release the ones from captivity, that we'd set people free. When we do that, when we walk through a neighborhood in L.A. and pick up trash, we're building the kingdom of God because we're making, making earth look a little bit more like heaven. And, and, and so if you want to be a part of something, man, you've heard of the stories and, man, I wish I went to, went to L.A. and I was jealous the whole time you guys were there. And now i got to listen to everybody talk about it for an hour and I wish they'd shut up. And, and if that's where you're at, let, let me just tell you, it doesn't just happen in L.A. Man, God's kingdom can grow right here. And it grows in two ways. It grows here before it can ever grow here. 
In other words, it, it starts with each of us embracing the opportunity to obey the voice of God. God, what, what's in my life that, that doesn't look like heaven? What's in my life, what's a habit that, that doesn't look like what you want? Well, what's in my conversation that isn't really a reflection of who you are? Well, what's in my daily schedule that isn't really a reflection of you? And so we start building the kingdom in us, and as God's kingdom builds in us, now we can go out and begin to do his will out there. Um, the, the thing that's so amazing about the Dream Center is they're doing it day after day after day. And we can look out and we see how far this place has come over 23 years and the incredible impact that they have. And it's kind of overwhelming. It's like, well, we, in fact, a couple of us even said it. Well, we, we can't do what they're doing out there. We're not called to build the Dream Center in Los Angeles. We're called to bring Jesus to Olive Branch, to bring Jesus to Memphis. We're called to, to reach people right where we're at. And that's where we got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, leaning into what God is saying to us, and, and, to, and build his kingdom day after day in our lives. But what's amazing to me is Proverbs 11, 11, the statement that we use all the time. We base Mission OB, which is our outreach ministry that Leonard's our Mission OB director and kind of helped lead our trip, and, and he's over these ministries. Proverbs 11, 11 says, by the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. In other words, if, if God places the righteous, the upright, somewhere in a city, that city should be lifted up. That's what exalted means. When we exalt Jesus in song, we're lifting him up. So a city is better because the upright are there. We saw it in L.A. We saw it. We saw a city that's better because one crazy guy grabbed a hold of a vision and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to find a need and fill it. I'm going to find a hurt and heal it. And then he started to build a team, and some other people caught the vision. And they went out, and they started to make this happen. We, we did one adopt-a-block, and I'll, I'll st- close with this story. We did one ministry, with, which was led by a guy named Osvaldo. Osvaldo, like he said, call me Ozzy. Uh, he was in the discipleship program. He'd been there, I think, like 11 months. And so he had just gotten off of drugs, got his life cleaned up. God's doing incredible things in his life. And he's kind of just, you know, now he's a leader. Now God's using him. And so he's leading this group about 20 of us, and we'd walk through the neighborhood, and we'd pick up trash, and then we'd go down to the park. The park is called Echo Park, um, and walk through the park and pick up trash. And as we're walking through the park, a city employee comes up who works at the park, and he grabs Osvaldo, and, and I'm standing next to him, and I hear this conversation, and he, the city employee says, man, I can't thank you guys enough for what you've done here. He says, look at it. Look at this park, and you probably saw some pictures of it in the video. It's got this incredible fountain, and it's, it's gorgeous, man. It's just a cool place to hang out. It's a place if, if you just go spend a couple hours there if you had the opportunity. He said, look at this place. He said, 20 years ago, it didn't look like this. He said, 20 years ago, we dragged the lake, and we found dead bodies there. 20 years ago, there were drug deals going down. 20 years ago, nobody wanted to be here. But you guys came in, and you started cleaning this place up. And you were dedicated to it, and you were faithful to it, and look at it today. And it's one thing for the Dream Center to say, look at what we've all accomplished. It's a whole other thing for the city employee to seek this guy out and say, this place is different because God put you here. This place is different because you were obedient. This place is different because you were faithful. And there's no reason why we can't be obedient. There's no reason why we can't be faithful. There's no reason why we can't be the upright in our city where 20 years from now, somebody would look at somebody with a city church shirt on and say, wow, this place is so much different because you guys are here. Thank you. What an incredible testimony. What an incredible picture of building the kingdom of God. And it starts with with some people who are just willing to be obedient. So that's my challenge. Man, be obedient. Wake up in the morning. Ask God, 
how can I bless somebody today? How can I make my city better today? Maybe it's not Olive Branch. Maybe it's South Haven. Maybe it's Memphis. Maybe it's Hernando. Maybe it's Horn Lake. Maybe it's Nesbitt. Maybe it's Cordova. I don't know. But, but ask God, what can I do here? How can I build your kingdom today? And just little by little, faithfulness by faithfulness, that's how it happens. Osvaldo and his assistant Noah, they go out every day and pick up trash with a team. Every single day. And for us, it was like two hours, and it was long and hard, and, you know, it's hot. And we're like, man, you know, I'm ready for this to be over with. But they're faithful day after day after day after day. And it's because of that faithfulness and the faithfulness of people like them. Lives are radically changed in that city. And I think we can do the same thing here. I think God can use us. God is no respecter of persons. There's nothing special about Matthew Barnett. There's nothing special about Osvaldo other than they're willing to obey God. So let's do the same thing. Amen? Let's pray. Father God.